welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, for Santa Claus's favorite show. And that's saying a lot because he does a lot of listening because of all the traveling. There's a 100% chance Santa has heard your podcast, even if it's the one that you only did three, but it's you and your friends sitting around and giving their opinions about Cassavetti's movies. You remember that one? It was a better idea than it was in execution. Oh, bless you. Sorry to keep you waiting, Andre. I haven't been avoiding you. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, don't worry about it. Well, what is it that you want for Christmas? You know, I honestly don't know, Santa. People keep asking me what I want, and I honestly don't know what to tell them. You know, the other day, my wife and I were in the shopping mall, and we were just pulling things off the shelves, and we were putting them in the cart, and we were loading it in there like we were the last people on Earth, like we needed it to survive. And the irony is, if we were the last people on Earth, why would we need scented candles? So, no scented candles. Maybe I do like scented candles. I don't know. I'm beginning to doubt what I want. And I don't even know what I need. The other day, someone said, what do you need? And I said, well, maybe I need some toothpaste. But do I really need toothpaste? I mean, the people in Europe, I met people in Europe that didn't brush their teeth for decades and their teeth were fine. You know why? They were eating some kind of diet, some kind of exquisite nut or something that preserved their teeth and they didn't need to brush them constantly. And we're bombarded with these images of our teeth getting bad, you know? And we watch the TV and the TV tells us your teeth are gonna get bad and you need this special paste. But the special paste wasn't even invented until what, like the 1990s or something? No, I think the 1860s or something. Well, be that as it may. I mean, people did survive without toothpaste and I could survive without scented candles. You know, I was thinking, if I really did want something, wouldn't I want something more like an experience? Wouldn't I want to go someplace? Wouldn't I want to be with people? I mean, time is fleeting, right? I could ask for time, I could ask for more time. I'm not sure that's something I could provide for you. Well, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? The other day I was in a shop and I said, do you have the time? And they said, the time for what? And I realized it was all relative, the time for what? The time for lunch? We could have gone out to lunch in that time. They could have just told me accurately it was 3.20, which is what I wanted. But what they thought I meant is, do you have the ability to spend time with me. Well, not necessarily with me, but doing something. You spend it like it's money. You get an allowance. You get a certain amount, like at the beginning of a game of Monopoly. You get your time and little stacks, little denominations, and then you spend it. You say, I've got to move here. I've got to move here. Well, the time that starts ticking away. Oh, it's time to move. Let's move to New Jersey. And then it's five years later. It's 10 years later, 15 years later. You move somewhere else, well, we'll move to Connecticut, you move to Connecticut, then you move to New York, and you move back to New Jersey. And by this time, four decades have passed. Oh, I know how it is. I've had the same house, though, in the North Pole for many decades. I'm like the Warren Buffett of of mythical gift-giving creatures, I guess. Yes, you know, I long for that kind of stability. But I find I've got to move around because what I, what I need or what I want, I guess, is experience. I want to experience things. And even though that means that it's going to be tragic, there's going to be loss at some point, I've got to go out and do it. I see what you mean, but <laughs> tell me more, Andre. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Wake up. Wake up. You're dreaming, Hardy. Oh, was I dreaming? Oh, I was dreaming. I have these Christmas dreams, and a lot of times they're based on movies, and sometimes they're not even Christmas movies. I went looking for Christmas movies in the other day, and I realized that I don't like them, by and large. Well, I couldn't say that. Now I'm going to get people get mad at me. But I mean, if the point of the movie is Christmas, sometimes that's not interesting. Sometimes Christmas is going on in the background. You can see people having a gunfight, and there's Santa's back there uh, doing something. Those are interesting, where Christmas is a backdrop. 
but where it's actually the subject matter, say, oh, I've got to help Santa deliver the presents again. He gets into a lot. What a precarious kind of system we have set up there. Just Santa doing it. It's like the Santa grid. That goes down. There's no giving. There's no present. There's no backup. That's, it feels like the future. Santa's from the, there's only one generous person left on earth. No one else gives gifts. And there's one person in a, in a red uniform with a long white beard. Could be David Letterman. We don't know because it's the far future. We don't know what they did to his heart when they opened him up in the 90s. They could have put anything in there. And he's living forever and giving out gifts worldwide. In um, how steampunk to do it, though, in a sleigh that has extraterrestrial vehicle properties. Now, it's probably where we got it, that uh, the notion for it. And I don't know where exactly it comes from. It might come from the poem, It Happened One Night As I Was Wearing My Jammies. I saw someone outside that would given me the whammies. They landed on the roof. There's just as an elf. And all of a sudden... There's, they're small on my shelf. I said, what's going on? They said, someone ate acid. I said, I haven't ate acid since I was a lassid. I have a problem. Said, Why can't I speak? It's aphasia from the drugs. Blah, 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 blah. I love that poem. That uh, goes way back. But that and Coca-Cola ads are the origin of Santa Claus. And the sleigh and his flying sleigh. And Rondolf, uh, I was going to call him. Uh, Rudolph, the real one doesn't have a name, the glowing nose reindeer, and that's been dead for a long time. It's funny, though, because its remains traveled the American West for a long time. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer's mummified remains would go from carnival to carnival in the American West, showing off saying the original Rudolph, and they'd have him there. And I don't know if it's, a lot of people say that's an ordinary reindeer with a light bulb. But this is the Old West. If there was a light bulb, that's remarkable. People miss the miracles sometimes because they're trying so hard to debunk. We get that from, where's that come from? This has become a, a wonderful, it's almost like a public radio show where they tell you the origin of words and everything. But debunk comes from the Three Stooges where they're trying to knock one of them out of debunk. And, um, well, they debunk him. They knock him out. So it is Latin. And um, that's where we get that. And it means, how did it come to mean to uncover uh, Bunko Squad? Well, that answers your question. Bunko Squad, which was the Sergeant, Sergeant Bilko, the original movie it's based on. I told you last week that McHale's Navy is based on a serious movie. Isn't that strange? It went on to be a sitcom. MASH is a little bit like that, where the original movie isn't as uh, comedy. Did they have a laugh track? I can't remember. War, does war have a laugh track? Are people laughing during wars? It'd be awful if something got stuck, like a sound effect got stuck on a, on a laughing, cackling something, and then, and then there was war going on all around with the laugh track stuck. A skipping record. Is that from a movie? Everything is from a movie, it seems like. I can't remember what's, a lot of times, what's real and what's not. And I thought that would be a blessing. But, you know, some of the nice, nightmarish bits, I wish they would tell you, which they are. Is this real? In my dreams, sometimes, I'd, I'd react differently. And I think for a while, is this real or not? Because if it's, if it's, not real. I'm not going to worry that I have no control over the car and I'm kind of nodding off and everything. Let it be. I'm just in bed, really. But if it is real, I better pinch myself and try to wake up or something. I do still have nightmares, and I was told that adults shouldn't have them. But I also have cravings for very sweet cereal. So perhaps I was have a stunted growth, both psychologically and physiologically. And I don't know. I know that my, my tastes, your tastes never grew. Oh, no. But they may not have. I know a lot of people, their tastes in music or movies just never, never moves on. It gets arrested or something or set in amber. It's they spray something on you at 30. 
Go, that's your music. Oh, I thought that about my mom. Why was she was like that? I say this is. Oh, she'd be like, this is my music. I go, your music. You know, from it just stops abruptly at 1960 or something. I go, how does that be? Is it? I don't understand. It wasn't for you after that. Music has it's just for certain ages. I would like to remind you that those n notes on games that'll say from ages three to and up, that's a serving suggestion. Anybody can play the game. If you're old enough not to eat the pieces, you're probably old enough to play. They got little baby geniuses playing uh, life and what have you. And I remember reading some four-year-old playing um, playing one of those, uh, what's the one where you, will it be a stud or a dud? Uh, dating, not dating game, but doing really well at it. A vintage, it was a vintage board, maybe it was Operation. But they're doing really well at it. And there's no reason, like I said, as long as they're not going to ingest something and get it caught in their little throats. Heck, there's no reason they can't do it, I don't think. I think that about driving race cars. If you're old enough to drive a race car, then you're probably not going to choke on something. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want people to. I don't want people to be hurt. <laughs> so I don't mind. So oh, don't need a nanny state or something. I wouldn't mind a nanny whole nanny state. It'd be lovely. I think you're looking out for us, and everybody gets. I don't know whether it's literal and everybody gets milk, but it, it, at the very least. It's making us sandwiches and stuff like that. And when we got a cold, it's wiping everything. I don't got a nanny. It doesn't have a bad connotation where I come from. Um, I don't know about, I guess, nanny looking into the business. And I'm here to look at your books. I know we're doing fine, nanny. You're a construction business, right? Yeah. Well, well, I see an item here down here, something about a pool, or you don't do pools. No, that's... Uh, so you don't want that, Nanny doing that. But it'd be nice to have her just hanging around. Beautiful soul. Oh, she's got her own state now. I thought they'd stopped giving those away. They're like, uh, they're really rare. They're like distilling licenses or something, states. And I don't know, the last one was Hawaii or one of them. And other people living there. How do they do that? But you can get a state, you used to be able to get them, and now you can't. Then, to kind of make it up for it, they'd say, well, you can have a quarter with the state on it. That seems fair. I can't have a state anymore. Oh, radio station frequencies, they do this with, I'm tired of trying to get a job on radio. I'll have my own station. Who hasn't thought that? Like Art Bell. I'll have my own, I'll just broadcast from the middle of the desert. If they're not going to, because if you have worked in commercial radio, you realize that people are running it and they don't have your deep romantic affection for the medium that you do. They do it at, at WFMU. Oh, my goodness. They do. They're so romantic. You go down this hallway and there's all these pictures of the great radio performers from over the centuries, like Charles Nelson Riley. And Baby Snooks is one that's up there. And who else was on the radio? The fellow that, mm, I'm running out. But there's other people that have been done, and they, the radio station venerates them. And they understand that it's an art form on its own. Nowadays, people do podcasts and all. That's fine. I got nothing against that. Why? Well, I don't want to be unpopular. Also, I've got nothing against it. It seems does seem like competition. I've tried my whole life to get on radio, and then once you do, you go, "Oh, you're on." It's no one is listening. They are. They are though, and uh, you 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 wait until a global catastrophe. Why? Just wait. I hope we're all waiting. I hope it's a while. I hope we stand there and wait together. But I guess radios will be important. I know they are in disasters. You know, because especially ham uh, ham radio operators or CBs, a lot of times CB radio operators, if there's a disaster, will be very important uh, because people can't reach each other um, by traditional means. 
And so the CB radios will be like, uh, come on, uh, breaker, breaker, did your house fall on you? Like something like that. Or where, you know, where's the hurricane now? Uh, breaker 1-9. It's doing, and then they'll give, oh, I don't know how they give the miles per hour. Whether they give it in knots. I haven't had a CB. Kids used to have them. It must have been hell being a trucker in the 70s. Can you imagine that? You're trying to get, you know, breaker, breaker. I'm looking for a, uh, you know, a place to get a good cup of coffee over. And breaker, breaker one nine, breaker one nine. Yeah, this is the bugger. Come on. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know, because all my friends had them. And if we were like 12, and I can't imagine that we had anything to contribute to interstate commercial travel. But, you know, some of it was outlaws. Like Burt Reynolds was in there. He'd get in there and do stuff so the trucks could do junk. I don't remember how that went. I think a lot of times they were smuggling cores. They said it was cores, but I think it's got to be drugs, right? I'm not naive. Who, who, wants, who would risk their life for cores? So they're smuggling drugs in, cocaine and all. And what, and what Reynolds would do is he'd get in the, uh, the Trans Am and he'd pull ahead all the trucks going fast. And so then the, the, the teddy bears would come after him and uh, uh, chase him. And then they'd leave the trucks alone. And I don't know how they got past the way stations at all, inspect, ag inspection stations, but they did. And then they got the, all the cocaine to the uh, East Coast because they were keeping most of it was on the West Coast and they'd use it to make movies and music. But the East Coast was like, hey, we got discos to sustain. And so that's how they did that. And uh, I'm not, I can't quite bring it back to Santa Claus yet. I was trying to tie it all back to Santa. He was not involved in this. I do not like so much when, uh, when icons for um, traits that are admirable, like you know, compassion or giving or something like that. So you say somebody like Mr. Rogers or Santa Claus, gentle things like that. I'm not sure I like when they're made in when they're made edgy. I don't know that we need that necessarily. I'm not sure what the lesson is. Right? Children should be emotionally abused. I don't know. No, they sh- they don't need to see it. Well why why make it? I don't understand, I guess. I guess there's a reason for it. But it seems to me that maybe the reason is more sophisticated. It's just a cover for something more cynical. But I really don't know. Um, So I don't think anything's off limits, really. I'm not like that. But um, I don't see the reason to do certain things. Why everything needs to be pooed on. There's so many things that just say, that practically have a little target with, with words that say, poo here. And yet people often cast the poo upon things that we need that would be nice to keep poo free. And I don't think I'm being uptight. Can't we all agree on that? No, I used to think that were, there were things that everybody could agree on. And it's just not true. It's amazingly not true. There isn't really any one thing. There's nothing. It can't be true, false, in between. There's nothing. You can say it all day long. And in the first three seconds of posting it, you'll be contradicted. There isn't anything that everybody can agree on. Isn't that amazing? I guess there's something that people can be forced to agree on. And, you know, but, and I, it's a nice setup for a joke. Like somebody be clear, goes, nothing everybody could agree on. And then when someone would say, oh, yes, but indeed, blah, 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 Oscar Wilde. <laughs> but I mean, uh, really, in reality. Why is that? Oh, are we not contrary animals? Are we not? No. What? Yes, we are. Are we or aren't we? I don't know. Oh, wow. Sorry. I'm afraid to. They ought to just take horns off of cars now, I think. There's no point for them. They are dangerous. There's no reason to put your life in danger like that by honking. What could possibly be worth it? I guess if there was a, I don't know, I, I guess if we won something big, if it was a big 
sports tournament or something, you'd need to honk. But just like if, if you direct it at somebody, you're just asking for death, I feel like. So I don't use it. I don't gesture while I'm driving. I try not to drive while I'm driving and just uh, hover, hire a driver, and then I, I hover in the back seat in uh, a little box I made of four bulletproof vests that are sewn together. Isn't that innovative? I did that. It's my, my traveling tube, and I crawl into it. I call it my Jeffers tube because after Star Trek because I'm a big Star Trek fan. The universe, they keep the universe peaceful by splitting up. It's just uh, Liebenschrom or something. They've got everybody. It's hard to bump into people because there's just vast space. And yet they do. They still have problems with one another. They say, oh, this is the neutral zone. Neutral zone. Look at it. It's light years across. That's a lot of, it's so easy really to avoid one another, I think. And uh, this is a big country. And in the words of Mo Howard, spread out. There's got to be places that there aren't people. And are they all enjoyable to live in? No. But like most of Florida isn't, and people live there. So you can live in places that have been filled in and all that. You can fill it in yourself with the bones of your ancestors. If you live someplace long enough and you just keep throwing down the remains of the previous generations, you get a nice layer of of bone and then you can build on that but it takes a lot of years of sacrifice and not a lot of people are willing to do that and say what well, i want to be the generation that benefits i can't imagine just using my corpse as the foundation of something greater later well that's why i want to talk to you about the greater later foundation that i'm starting here in cincinnati I'm not in Cincinnati, but I'm going to start it in Cincinnati because I think that the very first thing that I want to do when I open my nonprofit is purchase historic property. Why? Well, let me, let me tell you why. First of all, you get some help doing it, I think, if something happens to it. So let's say you buy a building that is very important from, let's say it's a 1900... Um, gothic, late gothic revival. It's pretty late for gothic, but they still did put uh, gothic elements on 1920s buildings. And you want to buy that and turn it into your nonprofit and get some help with the state when something like a gargoyle falls on somebody. And there's no gargoyles. I'm just kidding. And then, voila, we can start helping people. But we're going to need millions and millions of dollars first. Why? Why Why would you do that? Why not? Why not? I think it'd be great. You're helping people that are working there. Somebody gets helped, don't they? I will. I'm not, I don't want to make money off of other people's misery. I don't want to grift or graft or groofed or whatever you call it. Where you take advantage. I'm not a... That's not me. And I remember watching these these uh, David Mamet movies with Ricky Jay where they would tell you how to scam people oh, and that made me made me sick Ricky Jay ma magician there telling you how to go out there and run these scams you know I remember all a lot of people that I remember that were on TV in the 70s went on and did terrible terrible things so you know let's just uh, maybe he didn't even do that. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I think I am. A lot of it's just perspective. And sometimes I just look at things through the perspective of being stupid. And I realize that. And there's not much I can do about it. Do I hate myself for being stupid? No. What would the point be there? I try to. Do I try to educate myself? Sort of. Do I try to listen Yes, sometimes I do try, and I am making an effort, and I'm not content with what I don't know or my ignorance, but at any given time, I believe, yes, I'm ignorant, and you are probably smarter than me, and now you don't feel very, but that doesn't make you feel very good, as good as you thought it would make you feel, 
Oh, if, if you were smart and I was smarter than you, I'd feel something. There you go. But I don't feel s superior to you if you're not. Right, so there's nobody to compete with. Right, exactly. You don't have to compete with me because I'm not competable. Exactly. You don't even know words. I don't know words. And a lot of times you don't need to know words. You can just know a few. It's where you put them and how you say them. Now, songs are like that too. Now, join me now. There's a couple songs that are just a few notes. But if you combine those notes together... You get some of the most beautiful melodies in the world. Ba 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 Here's the problem. This is why they invented I did that on purpose to make a point. That's why they invented the Do Re Mi system. After the, based on the Dewey Decimal and everything, say, let's say a different syllable for every note. Because you're saying ba, it's, hard, it's easier to confuse them. So if you say what note, and I go ba, and you go, I'm hearing ba, 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 ba. But if we label them with different names, do, re, mi, fa, ba, so, ba. Try that again. Do, a, re, a, mi, fa, so, la, ti. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. Do, re, mi, so, re, la, 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 la. Just like that. And you can have all the melodies of the world are at your fingertips. I sound like I'm selling one of those organs in the mall. And you remember when you were a kid? No, that was after I was a kid. Sorry. I forget that. I always say that. My act, I've been around so many years. Remember those old penny farthing stores uh, in the arcade when you were a kid? And they'll say, no. You know, yes, you do. And you were getting a, a, a sodium phosphorate or something or at the, at the uh, pharmacist. You mean, uh, what do you used to call pharmacist too? There's another word for those. Apothecary. Apothecary jerk would give you your soda pop. And I'd make jokes about that for the kids back then. In the 20s when I was doing, I'd make raccoon jacket jokes. Um, boaters, straw, the kids would wear raccoon, these full-length raccoon jackets. Look, they're ridiculous. They'd wear the straw boaters. And a lot of these kids, they'd go to Yale and they'd boola boola and they'd play ukuleles. And some of that they still keep, some of that they've rejected. And it's, uh, it's fun stuff, and I'd make fun of it. They'd have goldfish eating contests, and, uh, all sorts of stuff in the 20s. Before that, the sad thing is a lot of the kids were World War I vets and had been horribly mutilated. But I, that's where they were having fun. And the, they were return you know, students. They're having fun in the raccoon coats. You know, mustard gas, you know, one. Raccoon coat, three for the win so there's a way of triumphing over adversity and a lot of times it's as simple as just hearing like what santa claus have to say about it and so now i'd like to do a little bit of my you know i love theater you know i like theater i don't know you well i'm telling you now i like theater and radio is often compared to theater negatively and and that's because it's so similar. And so I'd like to do, the first thing was, was My Dinner with Santa, which is a classic, but I want to do something a little more original. And this is my, this is called, uh, it's called Santa Claus. And um, I'm going to dedicate it to all the kids that are waiting around the Santa Claus entrance shaft Entrance tube, also known as a fireplace, for him to bring the presents. And this would be, this is Santa on the day before he's ready to go out on Christmas. It's Christmas Eve, and he's in his special little um, chamber. Ho, ho. 
I guess it's that time of year again when I head out on my so-called once-a-year job, which is I'm a little resentful of this, as teachers must be when they say you don't have to work summers, eh? Oh, yeah, I don't get paid either. It's all on me, though. Part of me is resentful, part of me is not, you know. I don't want to... Wait a minute. That's not... I skipped a whole part. Dang it, I skipped a whole part where I tell about my origin story. Because it's a little bit like Doctor Who. Where he's born to this race of, like, Santa Claus people. Santa Claus planet. Planet Christmas. Ugh, forgot the whole Planet Christmas part. And when you do theater, you get a little too comfortable sometimes up there, and you will blank out and just, that's it. You forget, we are, I've forgotten what, that's why I don't act anymore. I forget what plays I'm in. I go, what is this? I don't even know which one this is. Um, I did this one, and it got stolen by Beckett. And I'm going to do it again. I'll probably do it as a whole show. But it was called... Um, Crap, my last tape. And it was about a guy who's uh, been making these diaries, but he's got his last tape, but he's not out of years yet. But he's out of ways to record the stories. And then Beckett takes it, makes everything weird, makes everything weirder and angrier or something. And um, I'm not mad at Beckett. And a lot of people name their children that as a first name. I'm not mad at them either. I'm not mad at anybody who has and names children. Why would I be mad at them? For, for experimental theater. Isn't that what I'm doing? Can you... It's experimental theater. Even if your experiments fail every single time, it's still experimental, your art. Isn't that beautiful? Say, well, that guy, that experimental guy's not very good. Yeah, you can't say he's not experimental. That's the one thing you can't take away from somebody who's trying to be original or they're trying to put themselves uh, on the line, their reputation on the line for an uh, idea that they've half thought out. Why think it all the way out if it's not going to work? That's the way I approach any kind of experimental thing. If I spent more time on this, imagine the bitterness. But this way, you know, it works, it doesn't work, it's all great. But you don't want to waste too much time with your experiments. Because then it's just a tragedy, and then the, you know who the, you know who gets the uh, who who wins the art um, award there is the people that make the documentary about your failed life. That must hit hard, right? You go, oh, yeah. I've had this life of being an artist, and I've stuck to it, and I've been relentless, and I haven't always made it. You know, I haven't always had a lot of success, and here I am, nearing the end of it. And they made a documentary out of it. And the documentary is doing real well, real, real well for those, those young kids that made it. Real, real well. And I don't know if that's me who is now famous in the documentary. That's a weird, that must be a weird feeling. Um, I'll take whatever way I can get it. I want to get it the way where you, you get it early. But that didn't happen to me. I don't want fame or money or anything. I want money. And... Uh, just, just, not just money, but influence. I think I'd like influence and something named after me. But you can get stretches of highways named after you if, if you're like a bowling league. So that seems real doable. I think I can do that. Buildings, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, my goals, I guess I don't, I don't know what I want. Let's see. Is there a difference between wants and needs? I want water. You need water. Oh, whatever. So you can they can be both. I've wanted things that I've really needed. You know, I want water or I will die. Um Yeah. So I need I need a pony or I will die. You're not gonna die because you you don't know the scenario. That's another thing is that there's always, I may know what I need and you may not. 
Because a pony may seem frivolous to you, but it might be something that I need, to, a requirement to live. And I don't know that that's for you to judge if you don't know the whole story of how the pony saved my life. This is how I get relatives to lend me money for like frivolous business ideas. You know, you don't know you are actually saving my life. That's because I know this is going to work. We need, there is no, currently no leather store in town. Not one that sells tiny leather things, like little patches for things that you might need to put in them. All right, I'll write you a check. Thank you. We're buying the building first. I love, I, why am I fascinated with bad business decisions? Got a grandiose, I don't think people deserve it, but it's pretty predictable that we're all searching for something, searching for a sense of importance, and it plays out a lot of times in grandiose schemes. So get rich quick or get famous quick or do something, and it's always just one, you're one hustle away from you know, living your dream. Sometimes it does happen, sometimes it, it doesn't. Um, I would say make borrowing money from relatives and way down on the list of options. You know, under I would pretty much rob a laundromat before I'd borrow any money from a sibling. So, well, can I just get a loan from a bank? That's number one. Yes. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. That's number one. Do that. Skip the laundromat stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but yes, do that. Oh my gosh, I don't even, I don't deserve, this is why they uh, uh, question put me on the air to, to, uh, to begin with. But I catch myself so quickly when I say something that's really very, very wrong. And things are wrong to say. I, don't, I believe in freedom of speech, but I, always, I also believe in shut up, shut up. Some things are unreasonable to say or just wrong or some uh, cause an immeasurable amount of pain. Too much. And so you, you need to be, uh, can't be absolute about everything. So you have to adjust a little bit. It's silly. It's silly to not adjust as you go along. Because things may have changed, you know. Um, I mean, when we were saying, let's say we were in a gingerbread boat. And that's all that we were surviving is floating in this gingerbread boat out at sea. And so we make a rule, don't eat gingerbread. But see, then we get rescued. And we say, well, let's eat the boat. And somebody goes, well, don't, you can't eat gingerbread. Well, no, you can't. I think it's okay. Circumstances have changed. If, if we're back in a gingerbread boat, we'll change the rule back. But right now, we're hungrier than we are not drowny-ish. That's all I'm saying. Is that it is not uh, wrong or morally wrong or insane to change rules as circumstances change. Uh, that is not to say that some shouldn't remain hard and fast. Like what? Oh, I was going to make a spades joke about uh, Red Joker being higher than the Black Joker or something like that, but that's too niche. I think I'm going to stay away from card card jokes. Is it a joke? Is it really a joke if you're making an arbs? Are you trying to be funny? Now I'm disillusioned. Now I believe maybe you're trying to be funny, Hardy. I thought you were just making remarks and they, they were inadvertently funny. Now you're forcing it. Now I think you're trying to, to be clever. And I swear to God I'm not trying to be clever. And you know that. And you know that more than anybody. But there's nothing clever or enlightened about what I'm doing. Don't you start spreading lies. <laughs> Don't. Um, what are you doing? I'm just trying to be dramatic. Listen, it's performance. And with, with all performance, you need to have uh, different things going on. And there's different acts and there's different, you know, if you've seen a, a live uh, music show. You know, there's, there's, uh, you get a hit song and then something else happens and somebody uh, throws a water bottle at the head of the lead singer. Then they start, they step off stage for a while and protest. 
But then they come back and everything seems to be fine. And then blah, 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 blah. God. <coughs> Excuse me. But that's the same pacing as we have here. And I have given work. You know, I give where I used to be a beginner at radio. But you can only stay a beginner so long. And now I have been socially promoted. And I give workshops on radio. I can't even believe it. I give seminars. People come to me and they say, Hash is, uh, ha, 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 ha. Uh, you, you speak on radio so well, Hardy. It's teaching how to do it. Teach how to do how you do it. So I do. I have a, uh, the radio seminars where I tell people about just how to do uh, different things with it, how you can do different things with the microphone or, or you can put it up all in your mouth or anywhere and uh, how to do different voices and everything. I teach them how, I, you know, um, we go, uh, if they want to do classic radio, I teach them to go, partly cloudy skies, partly cloudy, partly cloudy skies, partly cloudy skies. We say partly cloudy skies, and then we say uh, um, all rock and roll, like that, all rock and roll, partly cloudy skies, all rock and roll. And those are the vocal exercises that we'll do for classic commercial radio. And that's that's so fun. Um, uh, Twenty nine degrees. Sometimes I always say capital. Whether your city is the capital of the state or not, or not, always say capital city, because you can mean it like capital governor. Like the British have different ways of saying things, but they use capital to mean that's pretty great. So you can use it that way, and then your your little voice things can be what they call evergreen. They can be for any station, you know, capital city, and then they can use your stuff somewhere else. It can be like library music, so it's non-specific, and that's great. I give um, tips on doing. I've done two voiceover job so i'm pretty experienced with that so i teach people how to do different character voices and everything um for instance do some okay this is fun i feel like i'm at a party but here's some of the characters i would do and i teach in my course one of them would be um okay i gotta get into it you know what i mean you gotta get you gotta like uh it's a little kid voice but i gotta feel like hey I sound too little. That's too little. I'm too little. You're too little right now. I'm too little right now. That's right. You're like a toddler. I'm like a toddler, sound again. That's right. I know what you're saying. Bless your heart. That's uh, too little. That's a little toddler. You don't get calls for that too much. Usually it's a cheeky little kid who's going to be sidekick of somebody who's big muscle man policeman. And then the child is, you know, who are we going to, again, I can't, let me switch, erase this. We're not doing this course today. I'm going to do the uh, lower register, which is where Lou Register comes from, my lower register voice. And I started doing it as a, um, um, you'll see in a lot of cop shows, a lot of campy things. There's always a guy that talks like this. So get, this, get down there. And we'll do that voice. So, um, hey, Nick. Say that. Say, hey, Nick. Because that's uh, Nick and Nora Charles. Hey, Nick. And you're Eugene Paulette now. Eugene Paulette. It's hard to get that low. So I tell the, my students, smoke, 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 smoke. Cigarettes are your friend. They're going to give your voice that characteristic that you've been looking for. And will they cut the career a little short? A little short on the end, on the one end. Um, but they don't undo anything that's already happened, so they can't take your memories away from you. They can after the stroke. Skip the cigarettes. Again, that's not necessary. There's other things you can do. You can pollution. All sorts of things can give you that, that uh, uh, COPD that you need to get the really good character voices. Another voice I like to do, sometimes they'll just say to you, it's a sassy bunny. Or something like that. And you go, uh-oh. Well, that's like Bugs Bunny. It's a sassy snake. And you go, oh, sassy snake. You might even put some S's in there like that. Snake. It's so hard. It's something you got to 
it's something you can't teach. I don't know why I'm trying to do it. I'd love to teach you more. Uh, but it feels like maybe something you can't teach. Um, you just got to have it or not have it. You do voices as a kid, you know. Um, why am I just I'm blanking on all the voices I do? I used to, uh, when I was a really little kid, I did a Nixon impression. And I, it's really sweet hearing a nine-year-old do a Nixon impression. Because there's a combination. It's cute and also it's cringy, like unbelievably cringy. And I find that still with a lot of child performers. It's like, this is amazing. And I want to die. The Ellen Show used to make me feel that way. They'd have kids on. they go, oh, look at this precocious child. I feel I'm so mortified right now. That child is being uh, wrecked. Their life is being wrecked right now. I feel it. I feel that kind of, because people showed me off as a little kid, you know, do, do the voice. And looking back, it's just, it's humiliating. And the poor, ch the poor child, and I know that some kids want to be child performers and everything, but they, they want to do a lot of stuff, like eat candy all day, too. Just, we shouldn't let them. Mostly you let them because you think, well, A, people like, they need art. They are like, well, I need a kid to be in this movie. You know, whatever it's for, your artistic vision or money or whatever. Is there, there's other ways to do it. Puppets, people that are of small stature that are willing to do that sort of thing. But you don't need to, you don't need to enlist uh, children into your theatrics. And the worst are the all children theaters. I know they seem wonderful, um, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think they are. Uh, it's just, I know I feel like I'm crapping on somebody's thing that they love. And, I, and it is wonderful. And well, how are kids going to get experience in the theater? Unsupervised, I guess is what I think children's theaters, but unsupervised. Is that possible? You just let them do it. Well, how do they know if they haven't seen anything? You just hope TV rubbed off. I remember in the fourth grade, they had us do the laugh-in on stage. And we were like nine. We shouldn't even been watching. So we were up there doing like drug and sex humor, not knowing what it was. What it was. Um, so I think you can, I think you can just have them, them, them do it. A lot of kids, they'll stay up late and watch Playhouse Theater. And see all the old classic Virginia Woolf and everything. You mean whatever happened to, I don't know what I mean, Edward Albee as a, I don't know any play. Now I'm thinking I don't really know anything about theater. I love it so much. But I've seen only about five plays, but I adored them all. And I remember about half of them. You can love a thing and know nothing about it, like humanity. I love humanity. And it's my lack of real acquaintance with it that provides the space that I need to love it, un, you know, unrealistically. And that's the way with other things, that you can have a passion for it. Music, you say, I love music. Do you know this? No, no. Someone did that with me with jazz, thought they were doing a gotcha. They said, you like jazz? I go, yes, I do like jazz. They start playing, they go, what's this then? What's this? What's this? And you know, even if you are a jazz fan, sometimes that's hard. It's not always easy to pick out, you know, somebody, especially if you're not like a real fan of that musician. I can't always pick them out. And, you know, there's standards. They play the same songs. and So I didn't know who it was. And um, they thought that was hilarious, that I could be a jazz fan and not, no, unbelievable. I can't even tell you how many things I like that I can't identify. You're probably your, your, the thing you're going to serve me for dinner because we were over at that fellow's house for dinner. Do you like the food? I don't know. I'm afraid to say because you're going to ask me what it is and I won't know. So <clears throat> I'm going to say no, I don't like it. It tastes like uh, wood shavings. It's wood shavings. Oh, voila. There you go. How did, and the person was French. I don't know if I said that. Does it make a difference? No. It doesn't matter the ethnicity of somebody who slights you. It never does. It hurts no matter what. They could be French, and they could, they could be from the endives. That's not a place. That's a lettuce. And um, it doesn't really matter. Bless them all. Oh, bless you. And I hope I have enough forgiveness in my heart to just keep forgiving. And, you know, it's so difficult. But this time of year, we're uh, the, uh, nearing the end of Hanukkah. There might be one more night. 
I don't know, Hanukkah runs out when you're out of candles because that's really the spirit of it anyway. And it's a very symbolic holiday because like all holidays, it stands for the idea, how, how long can this go on? Because that's the thing, they had the oil. So how long is this oil going to last? Eight days. Oh, God. I guess if you want it to last eight days, it's a wonderful thing. But again, it's very relative. And holidays can be like that, you know. Some Have you been in some interminable Thanksgiving dinners? I have. Bless them and bless all the people there. It's a wonderful feeling to be. I like being uncomfortable because <clears throat> I know I'm feeling something. People say, people say that about pain. I don't like pain. I, I, need, I need so much less than pain to know I'm feeling something. And I have discovered it's, it's discomfort is my sweet spot. So if I'm uncomfortable, like let's say I'm wearing sandals in a situation where sandals are inappropriate. For me, that focuses the mind and the spirit and the soul. And I become in contact more with the life's life spirit you know what it means to be alive what matters <clears throat> and what it means to get like a little bit of ire from someone just their ire slight ire not anger maybe or displeasure slight displeasure you know so just go around it it's so good for your spirituality to just walk around and be treated like a fart i think and that gives you uh, clearness because friendship, and I think it was Ian Nairn who actually said this, friendship is more corrupting than money because we, we do things and make decisions because we want to be liked or we want to be popular. And sometimes that's more important than, than money. And so in, in government, that even happens too, you know. Um, there's all this uh, wanting to be influencers, seen as having <clears throat> power. And the friendship can sometimes... Um, you know, not always a good thing. Uh, keep you from uh, seeing clearly, hurt others. So, what are you saying? Well, I still hope we're friends, <clears throat> even though our friendship might be uh, detrimental to the entire world. I hope that's not the case. My goodness. I'd just like to be a, uh, a good friend to you. Somebody who's... Um, dependable who's always there and there's so many products like that every time i say that i think of a, a product just it could be an, a car undercoating and it still sounds like friendship because there's a lot of products you don't see every day you know they're just there you know they're there protecting you but you don't interact with them every single day like your car is undercoating or something, but you know it's got your back. And I feel like that that's our friendship too. Hey, know I'm here, and no, I probably don't know who you are. So um, should you get arrested, don't say, Hardy's coming to get me, because I don't know that where you are either. So, but, well, what good is our friendship then? Well, I think it's still important because... Maybe I'll be in your dreams. You know, the characters in my dreams are, are uh, they're part of others that I've integrated into my own self. You know, I've invited them in, and now they're a character in my in my brain in my sleeping life. So many are like that. So many of you, even the ones I've met, you've absolutely gotten into my dream. Sometimes I'll let you know. Say so you were in my dream last night. What, what did we do? Nothing, not important. No, it's usually something banal. It's always something banal. Got these perfectly good dreams, and I just use them for setting up, uh, you know, these scenarios where I've got to have a, a hotel room emptied by a, an unreasonable deadline. You've got 20 minutes to get all your furniture, which is inexplicably in this hotel room, out. That's my, all my furniture in my house. How does it, why is it in the hotel room? You've got 20 minutes to get it out. Or otherwise the hotel gets all your furniture. That's a good one. I like that one. But that's what traveling feels like to me anyway. I feel like I'd have too many things. It, 
Never watch an old movie where they take actual steamer trunks and big closets and stuff with them. You'll freak out. Go, how am I going to get that? Because oh! they have, sometimes they'll have servants, but I don't have any servants. And they'll lend you, if, if the hotel's nice enough, they lend you a servant, but then they're like, pom, 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 pom. And I also don't have, who has cash? I haven't seen cash. And um, <clears throat> I might have gotten paid in the UK in cash, but that's not American cash. So I haven't seen US cash in a long time. And uh, the queen's not on that. She'd be surprised. Well, she'd be, first of all, she's dead. So she'd be, why am I, why am I alive? Ah, like that, you know, because I don't think they cremate royalty. I think they stick them in there. They might not even check. The one, I, who was it? Was it her father? They just stuck him in the, one of them they just stuck in the grave. I don't even think he was dead. They're like, it's time. It might have been her grandfather. I think it was her grandfather. They were like, that's it. It's time. And they just popped him in there. So they might have done that with her because it was feeling, I could see if you're the next one and you're like, God, oh, my mom is never going to go. And um, I'm 80. How I'm never going to enjoy that beautiful hat. When do I get to wear the hat? It can't be the same hat. Is it the same hat? Do they wear this? Because their head can't be the same size. Is that man's head the same size as his little mom? It's got to be different. And is it a king hat? You know how it is in chess. They got different shape hats. I can't imagine it's the same hat. It might have had some kind of thing in it for her to make it. It might be huge. You know what I'm saying? They shove in some tissue paper. She, she might have toilet paper jammed up in, I'm sorry, Lou Roll, Lou Rolls or whatever they call it in the UK, jammed up in there in her hat. <clears throat> and he doesn't. He meaning the new king. Bless his heart. His uh, royal majimheim. Majimheim. No, that's no. It's, is it majesty or highness? Highness. Her majesty. That's pretty high. It's got to be ma her majesty. Yes, his majesty. So his majesty's. Um, hat, crown, that's what it's called, crown, my gosh, my grandfather used to drink whiskey, I should know that, it's crown, beautiful hat, ermine, I think is what it's lined with around the front, it's ermine, so it starts out looking like a, a stremel or something like that, but then it turns into something crazy up top there with gold, and um, it's just beautiful, but it's a symbol of a political system that is inherently bizarre and unjust. Isn't that strange? And yet it's such a beautiful thing. I guess what they're saying is like, not everybody can own the most beautiful diamond. Somebody's got to own it. And that falls on this unfortunate looking gentleman in the, in the funny hat. And that's great. That's great for him. How lucky. That's a lucky time. What a lucky, fun, sexy time, as they say on Arrested Development. He's going through right now, uh, being a king, and then maybe his children will get to do it. Oh, mm, what a life. My goodness. I'm glad I didn't inherit any of my father's business. I, still be, I know there's floors to be mopped, but I think somebody else can do them. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And uh, God bless everybody who's uh, listening right now and on this holiday, and I hope your heart is at peace. And I hope I brought you a little humor. And if you had too much humor, just a little bit of despair, like Angostura bitters in your uh, too sweet cocktail. You got to get it balanced. Oh, be just right. My friends, I'm so lucky to have you in my life. And I'm glad to be in yours. So please uh, know that you are listening to Miracle Nutrition, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County, and New York City, New York, and online, WFMU.org, worldwide. Oh, thank you for joining me, and I'll see you again next week.
twins name was ebony her name was mahogany 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 twins name was ebony
Thank <laughs> you. 